Spiritual gifts are meant to be lived with every day. You have been uniquely gifted in one, at least one area of Christ's character. You get them all together and there's a picture of Jesus. Would you open your Bible, please, to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter number 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For a number of weeks now, we've talked about spiritual gifts. And we're going to uh, take another exciting step or branch, if you will, into uh, this subject. Um, I hope that we all realize that the subject of spiritual gifts is, has got some depth to it. It can't all be taught in one 30-minute message. You're not going to learn all there is to know about spiritual gifts, even in a couple of messages. Uh, but we can sure make a... Uh, progress uh, in this subject and yea we must we need to uh, learn about this um, we've been given gifts by God and he expects us to use them so very important so tonight we're going to start in on this this idea of getting to know our spiritual gifts let's begin with prayer our loving heavenly father we thank you for the bible and and all of how it answers our questions and gives us uh, so many uh, details and reasons. Father, please use the Holy Spirit tonight. Lord, I desperately need your Holy Spirit to help with this message tonight. I can go through the motions, but Lord, you know it would be like a body with no life. And that's no good. We don't want a church like a morgue or a funeral home. We want a, a living, a living church. Holy Spirit, please bring life to your word tonight in the hearts of your people. Help us to increase in faith and love and appreciation for you. And now have thine own way and teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> <clears throat> well, we're going to start with a wee bit of a review, okay? Because we've covered a lot of ground and it's important, I think, that we do a quick review of that before we get into the subject matter tonight. Now, we've learned several things. Uh, six, in fact. Number one, all Christians have at least one spiritual gift. But I'd wager that most of us have more than one. We have two or maybe even three. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter... Number 12, look please with me at verse number 8. You'll see here that it says, For to one is given by the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. Just a verse to illustrate for us that the Holy Spirit has indeed given us spiritual gifts. And we may not even be aware of what we've been given. And that's true. Um, sometimes a Christian can go for many years before he or she realizes that they've had a, been given a spiritual gift. Paul wrote to Timothy, and in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14, he says um, not to neglect the gift that was given him uh, by the Holy Spirit. And so that's important, folks, that we do the same, that we try and find out, well, what is it that the Lord has given us? And I, I really appreciate how God has done this because it's almost a little bit of a game, if you will. There's a challenge and it's fun. It really is. 
as we grow in our relationship with the Lord and then to find out what it is that, that he's given us. It's fun. You know, um, if you've ever gone through the dating process uh, where, you know, a young man, young lady, they meet and then they start to get to know each other. There's a certain amount of fun involved in getting to know one another. Similar, in our walk with the Lord, there's a certain amount of fun as we get to know the Lord more and what he's given us. And I think that's exciting. So, um, number one is that we've all been given at least one spiritual gift. Number two is that these gifts are given to us by the Holy Spirit. Now look at verse number 11. It says, But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Excuse me. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is infinite in his knowledge and wisdom and his power and his ability. He is everywhere at the same time. He has all of the qualities of, of God. And the Holy Spirit is living within us. That happened when we got saved. The Holy Spirit is not someone that you receive after you've been saved. When you got saved, you were given the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 teaches us that very clearly. Now you may say, well, I don't feel like I have the Holy Spirit in me. Regardless of how you feel, you have the Holy Spirit in you. Um, Pastor Devian went and got married on us. Imagine that. He went to the Philippines and he married a wonderful girl named Esther. And of course, one of our first questions after he got married is, do you feel married? And you know what the typical response is. It's what? Yes or no? It's, do you feel married? Well, that's not what I've heard. Every, every man, every woman I've ever asked, they all say no. <laughs> because it's so new. I mean, it's a ceremony they just come through. They've been single all their lives. They've met this wonderful person. They've gone through all of the dating and all that and the courtship and pre-marriage counsel even. And now comes the big day. I now pronounce you husband and wife. And, you know, we're all happy and excited and, you know, our cheek muscles are sore from smiling so much. And then we say, well, do you feel married? No. (laughs) That's a typical response that I've heard. Now, maybe others are different. I don't know. But... Some days you don't feel if you have the Holy Spirit or not, but you do. Uh, The couple that just got married, they may not feel married, but are they really married? Yes or no? No trick question here. They are married, yeah. They're legally, properly married. They may not feel it, but they are. So we have the Holy Spirit. He's been given to us, and he's smart. You have to understand that he's smarter than us. And he knows what he's doing when he gives us a spiritual gift. And you'll notice in this verse, verse number 11, at the end it says, uh, to every man severally as he will. Severally. It means separately. It means that not everyone has the same gift. Now this flies right in the face of modern day tongue speakers because they all insist that we all have to have the gift of tongues. And they are so blatantly wrong. The, new, the, the gift of tongues was only in the New Testament time. After Israel was destroyed, there was no more need for tongues. Tongues ceased, 
according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, ceased. It's in the middle voice. It put the gun to its own head. It stopped itself. There was no more need of tongues after 70 AD. And Christian history bears that out. The only ones that ever jabbered away in tongues after 70 AD were the cult groups like the Montanists and groups that denied the deity of Christ. And they were springing up in the first and second century. Some of those people were tongue speakers. But Christian history, no tongues. What's happening today is just a phenomena. Much of it self-induced. And you can go on the internet and, and do a Google search for former tongues speakers. And you'll get their testimony. And they'll tell you that they just kind of, you know, went along with the crowd and sort of faked it. I mean, there were, some of them were genuinely saved, but they didn't know what else to do. They were following the crowd and they finally gave it all up. Anyhow, we're not here to talk about that. We've dealt with tongues. We're here to talk about our getting to know our spiritual gifts. And the Holy Spirit gives us gifts according to His will, not our will. He knows what each of us needs. And so He gifts us accordingly. And He'll give us one or two or more gifts according to His will. And He'll give us a spiritual gift according to His selection. Okay? So it's the Holy Spirit. Number three, some of the gifts were temporary. Now, if you turn a page to chapter 13 and verse number 8. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. And that actually happened. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. And that actually happened. We talked about that. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. That actually happened. Those were spiritual gifts, temporary spiritual gifts. There were a number of temporary spiritual gifts, and they were used by God in the early days of the church, as the church was in its infancy and growing and developing, and as the Bible was being completed. Once the Word of God was complete, there was no more need for these temporary gifts whatsoever. We have the full revelation of God. We don't need anything else because we've got a source, a book we can go to. Uh, if you own a car, somewhere out there, the manufacturer has made a manual that deals with everything on that car. You say, come on, you mean every nut and bolt? Yes, every nut and bolt. Every screw, every bit of plastic, every part that you don't know what the name is, let alone you don't recognize it. You wouldn't know it if it hit you in the head, but it's a part of your car. And everything to do with that car is in a manual, a book somewhere. You don't need the gift of prophecy to be able to repair the car. You just need the manual. We have the manual. We've got the book. God finished the book. And so we have it today. So some of the gifts were temporary. Number four, there are 11 permanent gifts. And we're not going to go through all of those scriptures again, but the chapters are Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4. And out of those three chapters, we are able to determine the temporary gifts, the permanent gifts. And the permanent gifts are still in use today. Number five, 
Spiritual gifts are never for personal edification. Now, chapter number 12 in 1 Corinthians and verse number 7 says, but the manifestation of the Spirit, that's the gifts. Go back to verse 4, diversity of gifts, that's the manifestation of the Spirit, is given to every man, that's every Christian man in the church, men and women, mind you, to profit with all. That means the whole church, with all. Every spiritual gift has been given so that the whole church can benefit. Now, if you'd keep your finger there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'd like you to turn to the right and go to 1 Peter, close to the end of the Bible. 1 Peter and chapter number 4 and verse number 10. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. Now, this verse, I'd like you to read it out loud with me. Would you help me out here, please? Folks online, uh, if I listen real hard, would you please uh, read it out loud too? All together, verse number 10. Here we go. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Every one of us have been given a gift, and we have to be good stewards with that. You know, it's like anything. If God's given you health, or wealth, or friends, or opportunities, whatever God's given you, it's like you're a steward of that, a manager. So we need to be good managers, good caretakers of these things. And spiritual gifts are, are one of these things that we've been given. So spiritual gifts are never for personal edification. Number six, we will all give account to the Lord Jesus one day for our use of our gifts. And if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you'll see 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 10. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Pause there. Folks, this is not the great white throne where the unsaved are judged for their sin. This is the judgment seat. In the Greek, it's called the bima. It was a reward seat. It's where after the uh, Olympic Games, the winners would come and they would be rewarded. That's the bima. And so here we have a bima, a judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. The Lord Jesus is looking to be able to reward us. Rewards are good. It gives Jesus joy to be able to reward us for good behavior here on earth. But this verse reminds us that we will all stand before Jesus one day and give account of what we did here on earth. So never think that your life doesn't matter. Never get that idea. That Jesus never gave you that idea. I think the devil gives that idea. Your life matters. It's so important that you use your life according to God's will. That's so very important. We can't run around, so oh, I'm the captain of my own destiny. I'll do as I please. Well, you can do whatever you like, but you'll be the loser. We have to do it God's way. We have to run according to His rules. And we're only in this world for a short time, and then all eternity, we'll be celebrating the victories and doing great things but it's up to us now to apply ourselves. And so very important, we'll all give account to Jesus one day. Now these are six things we've learned. 
Now to that, I would like to add four more things tonight. And this is going to help establish a good foundation for us. We're going to add to what we've learned with the following. And we'll say this is number seven, okay? Spiritual gifts each show us a different aspect of Jesus Christ. All of the 11 spiritual gifts show us a character quality of Christ. Faith is one of them, isn't it? Mercy is another one. That's another spiritual gift. Uh, there's a lot of them I could... Like, ruling and, and so on. And these are different character qualities of Jesus. And it's like Jesus has been divided up into 11 character qualities and the Holy Spirit has taken one quality and given it to this person, another quality and given it to this person, another quality and given it to that person. So when all the people get together, it feels like Jesus is here. This is exciting. Spiritual gifts aren't just some kind of little you know, a credit card that sits in your pocket for when you need it and you pull it out and stick it in the machine or something. No. Spiritual gifts are meant to be lived with every day. You have been uniquely gifted in one, at least one area of Christ's character. You get them all together and there's a picture of Jesus. And I'm going to show that to you and prove that to you tonight. Now, number eight. God's will for our lives, for my life and for your life, is to become more like Jesus. Now for this, we'll go back to Romans chapter 8. Let's go there now. Romans chapter 8. And of course, verse 28 is that famous verse, for we know all things work together for good. We know that. But look at verse 29. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. Read this out loud with me, please, together. Folks online reading too. Together now. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Here's the picture. God has predestinated. That means to lay out our steps. That's what, like destiny, predestiny, God has laid out our steps in life so that we become conformed to the image of Jesus. We become more and more like Jesus. So you get saved today, tomorrow, you know, you're a wee bit more in the next week, the next month, the next year. Over a period of time, people come up to you and say, you know something? I can see Jesus in you. Well, how'd that happen? That happened by the will of God. That's God's will for our lives, for my life and your life. And spiritual gifts help us to become more like Jesus. That's pretty exciting. That actually brings us to this, the point number nine. The point number eight was God's will for us is to be like Jesus. I hope we all know that. And now I want you to go to Ephesians chapter four and I'm going to show you. Ephesians chapter four. After the second Corinthians, you get Galatians, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 13. Ephesians 4 and 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, 
unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That is the will of God for our lives and spiritual gifts are designed to help us become that way. You see, when we get together, here's the church, we're together. And Jesus wants his church to be like him. We get saved out of the world. We already have a likeness to the world, don't we? Isn't that true? Don't we have worldly thoughts at times? Isn't it true that our hearts sometimes kind of yearn for some worldly things and we have trouble in the flesh? And so in his love and compassion, the Holy Spirit has given us, each of us has got at least one spiritual gift. And that gift is like a a piece, one-eleventh of the character quality of Jesus. So if you get 11 of us together, the right 11, I suppose you've got the whole Jesus. But it, it doesn't exactly happen that way. But the principle is there. And so here, the body is supposed to minister to itself. And we're told in Scripture that as we exercise our spiritual gifts within the body, it helps us to become more like Jesus. You see, the purpose of your spiritual gift has three functions. This is point number 10. This is the last point I'm going to give you. Your spiritual gifts have three main functions. They probably have a few other minor functions, but three main functions. Number one is to get the job done. Get the job done. And I'm I'm going to look at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 13 says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Now listen to this. But by love, serve one another. How do we serve one another? With our gifts. We serve one another with our spiritual gifts. That's Galatians 5.13. So, the first primary purpose here of the gifts is to get the job done. You see, everyone in the church needs love and compassion, right? They need this gift of mercy that needs to be exercised. I think that in our church, we have a lot of people that probably have that gift of mercy. And combined with that is love and compassion. That needs to be shed abroad. That needs to be felt and used and experienced every time we, we get together. That spiritual gift. We got to get the work done. We got to get the job done. When people come and visit, one of the first things they notice about our church, and I've heard this so many times, what a friendly place this is. What a loving place this is. Over the years, we've actually had one or two people come, experience that, and then take off because they say, that place is too loving. There's something wrong about that. They're just not used to it. All they know is you know, cold, hard, worldly people. That's all they know. And so when they come into the company of God's people and they feel the love of Christ, they don't know how to handle that and they think there must be something wrong with us. Well, I think there's something right with us. See, when we get to heaven, isn't that what we're going to be looking to feel? Is accepted and loved and comforted? Of course. And it's like having a little piece of heaven on earth. So the first purpose of the spiritual gift is to get the job done. And there are 11 of those jobs 
and they must get done. Now the second main purpose of the spiritual gifts is to teach others to do the same. Now for this I want you to turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. There's other verses that, that teach this as well, but I'm just picking one. For the sake of time, I'm just picking 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1. Paul wrote, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Paul was saying, I'm following Jesus. I'm living my life the way he wants. Now you follow me. You look at me and you get an example. And you do the same thing. I'm going to follow Jesus. You follow me. We're all going to get to heaven. Spiritual gifts are something like that. When I see the mercy in someone's life that speaks to my heart, boy, I ought to be out more merciful. I need to be more merciful. And as I hang around the church and I experience that spiritual gift, I'm encouraged to do the same. Now, you might think, well, pastor, how could you possibly, if you don't have the gift of mercy, how could you possibly show mercy towards someone else? That's where the character of Jesus comes in. You do not have to have the Holy Spirit give you the gift of mercy in order for you to exercise mercy. Someone else has the gift of mercy and for them it's so easy. You may find it a little strange at first, a little hard, a little difficult at first. But you can do it. You can do it. You know that some people seem to be better swimmers in the water, right, than other people. Is that a good illustration? Some people, they're almost like human ducks or fish or something. They, you know, they throw them in the water and they're swimming. You, they, you just can't drown them. They just seem to be such a natural at it. And you say, well, I'm kind of clumsy. Yeah, you may be, but you can learn to swim. And that person, that man or woman who swims like a fish, keep watching them. They'd be a good teacher for you. They'll teach you how to swim. If you're not so good in your finances, find someone who's good in their finances and get them to teach you. And you'll become good in your finances. You see, the second main purpose of spiritual gifts is to teach others in the church to do the same. Be a follower of me, even as I am of Jesus. All these 11 gifts are character qualities of Jesus. And Jesus can do all these 11. He's a natural at it, right? I mean, He is these things. He's the embodiment of these things. It's, it's easy. It's a piece of cake for Him. So, we need to have Christians that have the gifts, the 11 gifts. Someone's got mercy. I'm not so good on that one. But I'm going to sort of, you know, get to know this Christian and and they will exercise mercy on me, and I'm going to be their student. I'm going to be their understudy, and I'm going to learn. I'm going to try and learn to be more merciful, like this person's merciful. I'm going to watch how they exercise that gift of mercy on someone else. And then I'm going to try it myself. I'm going to see what I can learn. That's the second main purpose of the spiritual gifts, is to teach others. And then the third main purpose of the spiritual gifts is to give us some rewards in heaven. 
You needn't turn there, but Matthew chapter 25, 23, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee you know, ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. The Lord takes joy in being able to reward His servants. So don't ever think, oh, rewards, gifts, you know, crowns, whatever. No, not for me. I'm not in it for that. Hey, don't you ever shortchange your Savior. He wants to be able to give you something. You let Him give you something. You do these things and He'll reward you for it. Your spiritual gift, when you use your spiritual gift, you're teaching me to be more like Jesus in the area that you're gifted in. For you, it's very natural. For me, it's not so natural. But I'm watching you, I'm learning from you, and I'm starting to do it. Hey, I may not be as good at it, at it as you are, but I'm starting to get the drift of it, and I'm starting to be able to learn it. That's what your spiritual gift is doing for me. I have a spiritual gift, and you say, well, pastor, I don't have that spiritual gift. No, I do. But you can watch me, and you can learn from me. Be follower of me as I am of Jesus. It's the same principle. And so as you are teaching me from your spiritual gift, I am teaching you from my spiritual gift. You see how the body ministers to itself? Is that clear? And then we grow together to be that perfect man, the stature of Christ and all that. That's how it works. I'll give you a couple examples and then I'm done. Example number one, Jesus is loving. We all know that, right? I hope none of us has a question on that one. Jesus is loving. I grew up in a family where we never said to each other, I love you. That was just wasn't done. We, we said other things to each other. <laughs> but we never looked each other in the eye and said, I love you. We never did that. And so, I never learned how to do that. So, when I uh, finally met my Mrs. White, hmm, it was so hard for me to, uh, to say to her, I love you. She'd say, I love you. And I'd say to her, ditto. No, I love you, she'd say. And, well, you know I do. <laughs> Not good enough. And I credit my wife with having taught me by example. She didn't beat me with a stick. I love you and you will learn this lesson. No, by her loving example, she taught me. She taught me how to look her in the eye and to tell her that I love her. Because I really did, and I do, you know. But getting those words out. And so you see how she was a teacher for me in that area. Does that make sense? Okay. I think I've learned a few things from my wife over the, the years. It's going to be 41 years in a few days. Can't believe it. 41 years married. Whew. Seems like only just a, a few months we've been married. Hmm? Still in love. Maybe snow on the roof, but there's fire in the furnace. Never forget. Hmm. Anyhow, uh, that's just one example of how I learned how to say I love you from my wife. Give you another example. 
Jesus is giving. He's always giving. Jesus loads us daily with different benefits and gifts and all kinds of things. Someone with the gift of giving in the church is not supposed to be the only one doing all the giving in the church. This idea of, well, I don't have the gift of giving, therefore, I don't have to give. Uh, We have one person in the church, I think, that has the gift of giving. He takes great joy in being able to give. I say, let him give. The rest of us, well, we don't have that gift of giving, so we don't have to give. No, that's a very worldly thought. Our Lord gave us His life. We need to learn from Him. So God, the Holy Spirit, has gifted a few people in the church with the gift of giving. And as we are aware that, yeah, I think that person must be a good giver. Wow, I need to be a better giver. I'm going to watch them somehow. You know, one of the problems with uh, the modern day church post-COVID is we've gotten into this habit of giving online too much. And when you do that, there's no exercise of the gift per se within the church family. Do you remember back before COVID, we used to take the offering? Do you remember that? Yes? Or is that too far (laughs) ago? We'd all be in church. And we'd have the ushers and we would pass the offering bags and and everyone would be putting their offering in. And I think that's the more biblical way to do it, to be quite honest with you. Now listen, there's nothing wrong per se with giving online. Okay? It's a great, fast, easy way to do it. And especially if you can't be at church. I mean, it's a great way to do it. But if we're going to be in church, I think it's better to be able to put something in. Because others will be sitting there who maybe don't have the gift of giving and they're saying, well, look at that. Everyone's putting, you know, I think I need to. I need to do that. And that's how they learn. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your, what? Heart be also. So as we give to the Lord, we are giving our heart to the Lord. I think that's very important that during the offering time that we let the example be seen. Now don't, you know, wave $20 bills, you know, and then put them in the offering. Like, that's stupid. I only knew of one man who ever did that, and everyone thought he was a jerk. By the way, that was in my church back in Ontario. It was never done here. This guy, you know, pulls out, you know, the money and made sure everyone saw it and thought, oh, man. We still took the money, though. Little humor, just a little humor there, I hope you understand. So, let's get the work done. Let's teach others by our example. And let's let the Lord reward us in heaven for it. God willing, starting next week, we're going to get into some of these spiritual gifts and how to determine if you have them or not. Let's pray. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.